Hello, this is Rabbi Mordechai Fleischer of the Denver Community Kolel, bringing you the latest edition of Understanding the Sins Discussed in the Torah, a production of Mile High Torah of the Denver Community Kolel. I'd like to discuss in this latest edition, number seven, of this podcast, the rise and fall of Lot and of Hagar. These are two people who are discussed in the Torah and actually take up a very significant amount of space in the Torah. Of course, we know the story of Lot. Lot is Avram's nephew. When Avram, then Avram leaves his father's home and he travels to the land of Canaan on Hashem's orders, the Torah tells us that Lot travels with him. Lot is his nephew. He is the son of his deceased brother Haran. And the Torah says that Lot goes with him, but after they go down to Egypt and then they ascend from Egypt, and now both uh, Avram and Lot become very wealthy, the Torah tells us that Lot becomes very wealthy, and a fight breaks out between the shepherds of Avram and the shepherds of Lot. And Rashi explains, based on the teaching of Chazal, that this fight was predicated upon the appropriation by the shepherds of Lot of the grain and of the grass and the food of the Canaanites, the stuff growing in the field. Lot allowed his sheep, or should I say Lot's shepherds allowed his sheep to graze in the fields of the Canaanites, and Avraham's shepherds felt that this was theft, and Lot felt this was not a problem of theft, because after all, Avram is promised the land of Canaan, and he, Lot, is the only heir, and thus the heir apparent, to Avram, and therefore he, Lot, is basically the owner of the entire land already, so what's the problem? To allow his sheep to graze on the land. But Avram and his shepherds take a different approach, and they say, the land is not ours yet. Yes, in the future it will be, but right now it's not, and therefore you don't have a right to go ahead and graze your sheep on this land. And this leads to a disagreement between Avram and Lot, and Avram tells Lot, I think it's a good idea for us to part ways, and if you go to the right, I will go to the left, if you go to the left, I will go to the right. They part ways, Lot heads off to the land of Sodom, where later he will be saved by the angels when Sodom is destroyed, and Avram goes on his own direction, although, as Rashi tells us, Avram promises Lot that he will stay in the general vicinity to keep an eye on things, and in fact, Avram later has to come and save Lot after he's captured during the war of the four kings versus the five kings. It's pretty clear from many sources that Lot started off as a righteous individual who was traveling with Avram to go to the land of Canaan to realize the vision that Hashem had for Avram and that Avram himself had to uh, create a movement that would bring Hashem's presence into the world. But somewhere along the way, particularly after Lot became wealthy, things went awry, and Lot decided to do things his way instead of following Avram. And this is where things went off the rails. And we need to try to understand what exactly Lot began as, where he went in the wrong direction. Now, we find a somewhat similar situation with a woman named Hagar. Hagar, as Rashi tells us, was actually an Egyptian princess, the daughter of Pharaoh. And when Avram and Sarai went down to Egypt, and Paro abducted Sarai, thinking that she was Avram's sister, not realizing that she was his wife, and then Pharaoh is afflicted with terrible skin diseases, and he realizes that he wasn't supposed to take this woman. He returns her to Avram. And at that point, along with giving Avram an enormous amount of wealth, he also gives Avram and Sarai a princess, his daughter, Hagar, 
to become a maidservant in their household. And Rashi tells us that Pharaoh was so awestruck by the greatness of Avram and Sarai that he told his daughter, it is better for you to be a maidservant in the household of this couple than to be a princess here in Egypt. Just goes to show you how great the reverence and uh, the awe that Avram inspired over people that the king of Egypt himself, Pharaoh, was in a state of awe and of reverence and of amazement to such a degree to give his own daughter to this couple, to Avram and Sarai, to be a maidservant. And later on, Sarai tells Avram that we're not having any children, so take my, my maidservant Hagar, take her as a wife, and I will be built up through her. Now, this is not my discussion today, but parenthetically, this idea of giving someone else, another woman, to your husband to have children as a merit for you yourself to have children, which we find both by Avram and Sarai with Hagar, and we find it again later with Yaakov and Rachel and Leah that they give their maidservants. The idea, I believe, is that if a woman is indeed looking to bring children into the world solely because it is a mitzvah, if that's her main goal, if she wants to demonstrate to Hashem that she wants children, l'shem shemayim, because Hashem wants the world to be populated, and she's not doing it solely for selfish reasons, just because she wants to be a mother, because she wants to have a child, but rather, she has Hashem in mind that Hashem wants the world to be populated, then she won't have a problem bringing another woman into the house with whom her husband can have children. Because what's the difference if the children come through the woman herself or through someone else? And a maidservant, as we will talk very shortly, is subservient to her mistress, and thus the children are connected to the mistress, and the mistress is able to be involved in raising them, and so on. And thus, if the children come into the world through the actions of the of the mistress, of the maidservant, then it is a merit for her to have children as well, showing as she is, that she wants to bring children into the world, because that is Hashem's will. End of parenthesis. So let's get back to Hagar and to Sarai. So Sarai tells Avram, take my maidservant Hagar as your as your uh, Pilegish, as your concubine, and I will be built through her, and she, of course, becomes pregnant immediately. And the Torah tells us that Hagar then uh, looks at Sarai with a very different perspective, and she says to herself, I must be more righteous than my mistress Sarai, because I became pregnant immediately. And Sarai is married to Avram for all these years, and she hasn't had any children. And the Torah tells us, that Sarai became light in the eyes of Hagar. Hagar stopped treating her with proper respect, with the reverence she had previously. Hagar runs away, and she ends up in the desert. An angel comes and tells her to return to the household, and to allow Sarai to afflict her. And she would eventually have a child, and that child would become a great nation. And that child, of course, of course is Yishmael. Yishmael needs his own discussion, but that's not our discussion right now. Our discussion and our focus is on Hagar. Hagar uh, clearly was a very great righteous woman because Sarai would not have chosen her to be a concubine to her husband, Avram, if she was not a very great and righteous woman. If she was a nobody, she was a lowlife, she, uh, Sarai would not have chosen her to be the one to have children with her husband. Clearly she was a great woman. And yet she has a great fall. And she ends up running away into the desert and ultimately coming back, having Yishmael, who is a less than ideal person, of course, but let's focus right now on the here and now. Where did Hagar go wrong? So here we have in front of us Lot and Hagar, two people who seemingly started off as very great, but later had a great fall. And the answer is, commentators talk about this idea, that the greatness 
of both Lot and Hagar was in the fact that they were students of their great masters, Avram and Sarai, respectively. Lot attached himself to Avram, learned from him, became his student, followed Avram on his journey to the land of Canaan, and Hagar attached herself and became the maidservant to Sarai, realizing as her father had told her, better to be a maidservant in the household of these two great people than to remain a, an, an Egyptian princess. And yes, you might be um, materially great, but you will never become anything spiritually. Better to go to this household and become something spiritually. And indeed, Hagar applied herself and she attached herself to her mistress Sarai and she became great. So great, in fact, that Sarai felt she was worthy to be together with Avram and to have children together with him. However, once Hagar conceived and she saw that Sarai had not done so after many years, Hagar had a second thought and she thought to herself that in fact she was greater than her teacher, than her mistress Sarai. And at that point, she stopped attaching herself to Sarai. She no longer was interested in being subservient to Sarai anymore, because she said to herself, I'm greater than she is, why should I be subservient to her? Lot had the same experience. Lot became wealthy, and Lot was someone who liked money. That is pretty clear from a lot of sources. Many sources discussed that Lot went after money, and after Lot became wealthy, apparently the money went to his head, and he stopped being subservient, and he stopped becoming the wonderful student that he had been to Avram. And he decided that he's good enough, and maybe wealthy enough, to strike out on his own, to be able to do his own kind of thing. Now, let's be clear. This does not mean that Lot went from being a one of the top students of Avram overnight to being some drunkard who is hanging out with his daughters and having children with them. That was a long road and a long process. But the process of departure of separation began when Lot got a lot of money, when he became wealthy, and he started to think on his own what he, be, what he believed was right, instead of listening to his teacher and his uncle, Avram. And so, though he may have been able to rationalize that he's entitled to allow his sheep to graze in the land, because he believed that ultimately he had a claim even now to this land of Canaan, because he was the heir apparent of Avram, when Avram, when Avram objected to that idea, Lot refused to listen. And when Avram saw that Lot is not listening anymore, so Avram had no choice but to tell Lot, okay, if you don't want to be my student anymore, then we can't be together. Because... If you want to do your own thing and you don't want to listen to me, it's not a good idea for a teacher and a student to be together when the student is not listening to the teacher. And in fact, this is an idea expressed in the Gemara. The Gemara talks about an idea that it's a good idea for a student to be in the proximity of his Rebbe, but only as long as he's willing to submit himself to his Rebbe. Once he comes to a point where he decides that he can strike it on his own, and he could make it on his own, and he's not necessarily going to listen to his Rebbe, then it's a very bad idea to be together with his teacher. And so Avram tells Lot, we need to separate, we need to part ways. And the truth of the matter is, as far as Lot goes, that there's actually an integral part of Lot that really needed to stay attached to Avram. And that uh, would later be expressed in the form of Rus, the the Moabite, who would become the matriarch of the Davidic dynasty, the great-grandmother of King David of Ramelech, the famed convert Ruth, Rus, Amoavia. She would later join the Jewish people. And also Naamo Ammonis, Naamo the Ammonite, who would be Shlomo's wife, and she would bear a son named Rechavam, who would become the king of the Jewish people. And these two people, uh, the uh, the convert from the nation of Moab, and the convert from, from the nation of Ammon, these two women would provide a, a very important piece to the Jewish people as part of the Davidic line, and they were very important, and they were contained within Lot. 
Lot would eventually found these two nations, Moab and Ammon, of course, through an incestuous relationship with his daughters, but he would found them. But this aspect, this element of Lot, really needed to join the Jewish people. However, Avram felt that at this point in time, he wasn't able to keep Lot attached, to be able to pull that goodness and that important part of Lot uh, to join with the Jewish people at this point. And so Avram had no choice but to tell Lot to go packing. But much later down the road, those elements would in fact return to the Jewish people. And in fact, there's a fascinating idea that the Shalah expresses, and he says that when Avram told Lot to leave, he told him, he parid nome alai, which means, please separate from upon me. The word he parid means to separate. And centuries later, when the story of, of Ruth, of Rus would occur, so after her husband and her sister's husband, after Machlon and Kilion, the husbands of Rus and Arpa pass away after they die, Nami tells them to return to their homeland. And while Arpa listens, Rus tells Nami, her mother-in-law, only death will separate between me and you. And says the Shalah HaKadosh that this expression, only death will separate, will separate between me and you, was a tikkun, was a rectification of the of the separate for me when Avram told Lot that Lot had to leave. This was a reconnection of that separation. Centuries, centuries later, this is what took place. And so Lot indeed does play an integral part in the Jewish people. But because he wasn't willing to attach himself at this point, he had to separate. Later on, Rus is willing to attach herself to her mother-in-law, Nami, to listen to her, to follow in her mother-in-law's footsteps. So there, this terrible error of Lot, which takes place now, is fixed and Rus returns to the Jewish people. Lot, in the form of Rus, returns to the Jewish people. And Hagar is a similar process where once Sarai sees that Hagar is no longer listening to her, so Hagar feels, uh, so Sarai feels, that she can no longer be her teacher, and so she cuts her off. And there, are, there are sources that say that this affliction described by the Torah, that sorry, afflicted Hagar, wasn't uh, per se actual affliction, although Rashi does say that she gave her difficult work, but rather this affliction on a deeper level was that she cut her off. She said, if you don't want to be my student anymore, so fine, you could, you could go out on your own, see how you do. And she cut her off, and she wasn't willing to be her teacher, her mentor anymore. And this was a terrible affliction for Hagar, whose entire spiritual identity was tied up with Sarai. But now Hagar had made the decision that she could manage on her own. And so she flees, and eventually she will come back, and she will have a Yishmoel. And Yishmoel, in fact, does have a place in the history of the world. But ultimately, Yishmoel is not going to join the Jewish people as a convert, but rather Yishmoel is always looked at as the son of the maidservant. The role of Yishmoel of Hagar is to be the secondary role of the maidservant, of the servant, the second in command to the Jewish people. And we need to have a broader discussion about that on a future podcast about Yishmael. But for the moment, the lesson of Lot and of Hagar is this. It's a very dangerous exercise for a person who is a student, who is learning to go out on his or her own and decide that they've learned all they need to and they can manage fine on their own. That's a dangerous exercise. It doesn't always work. It doesn't always end up well. And so it's a good idea to think very, very carefully before we leave behind those who guide us, who instruct us, because at the end of the day, very often, we need their mentorship. And even when a person is ready to move on in life and to indeed do things on their own, they still need to look back to a teacher, to a Rebbe, to someone who can instruct them and who can guide them. And in fact, our sages teach us that a person always 
needs to have a Rebbe, a Seluch, a Rav, make for yourself a Rebbe. Many great, great people would make sure to have a Rebbe, someone who can guide them, even when they themselves were already great people, were heads of institutions, teaching students, they made sure to have a Rebbe of their own, whom they could turn to for guidance. And with that, we can avoid the error of Lot and of Hagar. I hope you enjoyed this podcast, and I wish you a wonderful day.